welcome to Forging Ahead, which is a lunchtime conversation with Oliver Coppard, who is the Mayor of South Yorkshire. This event is part of the Urban Transport Next series, uh, which is a series of conversations which feature live online audiences on the topics that will help shape the future of urban transport. These conversations are hosted by the Urban Transport Group, which is the UK's network of city region transport authorities, of which the South Yorkshire Mayoral Combined Authority is a member. The Urban Transport Group's job is to ensure that transport can play its full part in making our cities greener, fairer, happier, healthier and more prosperous. My name is Louisa Harrison-Walker. I'm the Chief Exec of the Sheffield Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Um, I sit on a number of boards across Sheffield and South Yorkshire and I'm looking forward to putting questions to Mayor Oliver Coppard today. There will be an opportunity for the audience to pose questions and that will be via the Zoom Q&A box. So I will do my best to try and steward the conversation and pick out those questions. Um, you can submit them as we go um, and we will have an opportunity at the end to pick those out. Audience members can also upvote their favourite questions to be put to the mayor and you can join the conversation on X, as we all know as Twitter, <laughs> um, using the handle at UTG underscore UK and the hashtag, hashtag UTG next. So I'm just going to check whether we have Oliver in the room and whether we are ready to go. Um, I'm just going to look to Jason here, whether Oliver is ready and uh, has joined the chat. Hi, uh, hi, Louisa. Hello, everyone. Uh, uh, we're just waiting for uh, Oliver just to join. We're just checking to see if there's any technical difficulties. Uh, but uh, while we're just waiting for him to join, actually, man, obviously, I'm not James Kershaw. I'm using James's laptop. Uh, I just want to thank uh, just thank you, Louisa, uh, for uh, agreeing to do this today. It's uh, great to have you. And what we've tried to do with each of our, our urban transport group UTNs is uh, to get people from around each of the areas or people who've got particular link to the, the area to South Yorkshire. So uh, thank you for very much for doing that today. It's really appreciated. Uh, and for those who uh, just while we're, we're waiting for Oliver, I'm just going to take a little bit of his time, actually, uh, while we're waiting for him to join. Uh, I just want to uh, thank all those who've been listening to these UTNs over the past uh, few months. Uh, I think we had one with uh, Tracy Brabin recently. Uh, and if you haven't seen that, then please do visit our website where she was interviewed by uh, Jürgen Meyer. Uh, and then the previous to that, we had uh, one with uh, uh, one with Andy Burnham, uh, uh, who was uh, who I used to, I used to work at the Greater Manchester Combined Authority, so I know uh, the mayor particularly well. But no, very much looking forward to hearing what Oliver has to to say uh, about uh, South Yorkshire and uh, what the plans are for this year. I know there's a lot coming on. Uh, on stream. I know there's some big plans uh, for the area. I, I don't want to jump on because I think he's joining imminently. So uh, there's me uh, doing a bit of filling. Uh, thank you, Oliver, for joining. I'm so sorry. I missed my bus. Is that a good excuse? <laughs> uh, that would be uh, the perfect think... excuse for today, yeah. So I'm going to pass over to you uh, both now. Uh, pass over to you, Louisa and Oliver, and have a good uh, session. And I will look forward from watching on the sidelines. Thank Brilliant. You, Thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, Oliver. Nice to see you. Very nice to see you too. Yeah, I know you've had a very busy weekend, so thank you for making the time to join us today. Um, I've I, kind of... I did say, though, all my transport links work perfectly all over the weekend, so I was very happy. That's good. Yeah, glad to hear that. 
um, yeah, we've, we've set the scene so everybody's aware that um, we're going to go through a series of questions and they've got the opportunity to pop questions in the Q&A, which I'll be sort of facilitating. And there's a little bit of time at the end for, for an open Q&A. So, um, so really, let's just, just start with you. Just tell us a little bit about, you know, why did you want to be the mayor? And um, has it turned out to be what you thought it would be? And <laughs> um, well, because, you know, it, uh, this is my home. I'm from South Yorkshire, I was born here, raised here, um, and actually worked for the forerunner to the Combined Authority um, uh, when it was the LEP um, back in 2000 and well, running up to 2015. And so kind of, I think I have innately understood, I think some of the challenges that we face as a region, there have been any number of frustrations that I've shared with people about how we could be better as a place. And it just hasn't been uh, kind of firing on all cylinders and frankly from my perspective I just felt like I wanted to make sure that South Yorkshire was the best place it could possibly be and I think being mayor gives you that opportunity as a unique opportunity um, to be that person that, in that place and be able to absolutely um, kind of drive the room forward and I feel incredibly lucky to be able to um, do what it is that I'm, do what it is I'm doing and having, having this job. Yeah. Well, you know, I really bias because I'm born and bred in Sheffield, but I just think Sheffield and South Yorkshire are just such a fantastic place to um, to, to live and work and play. Um, you mentioned you, you've been using public transport outside of the region this weekend. What's your experience been like of using public transport in South Yorkshire? Um, and, and I suppose how's that shaped your views on, on what needs to be done? Well, I, you know, I, like a lot of people from South Yorkshire, I remember the kind of world-class public transport system that we once had. People used to come to South Yorkshire in order to see the way that the buses worked, in order to be able to work out how they could work elsewhere. You know, it was a, it was an exemplar, genuinely. And, um, you know, I, had, I actually had this conversation with Peter Mandelson, who was telling me about um, some of the stories about, you know, the Labour Party, as was his grandfather and various other conversations that were going on about how we were a model. Um, for the, what should be happening in the rest of the country. And I remember, you know, 2P buses and buses as far as the eye could see. And we lost all that as a result of um, privatisation and then kind of the steady decline of our, of our bus network. And so, you know, I feel that frustration keenly because I know what we once were. And the muscle memory of South Yorkshire is, a, is of a place that has a world-class public transport system and relies on public transport in order to move around the region. And there are any number of reasons, of course, there are about why that's changed. It's not simple as simple as just saying, look, privatisation has led to us losing our world-class public transport system. But there's certainly kind of a thing in there about actually taking back control of public transport, as we are doing with the tram network, so that we control our own future and our destiny, as Manchester are already showing the way and gives us an opportunity to think differently about how transport works and operates in South Yorkshire and the integration of transport with all the other things that we're trying to do. So look, I, I feel that frustration. I know other people day to day across South Yorkshire, right across South Yorkshire, feel incredibly frustrated with buses not turning up, buses turning mm -hmm. up late, the lack of reliability from services and also the, the lack of funding for services. And that's why I've been trying to campaign so hard to get the government to give us more money for South Yorkshire's buses in particular, but more broadly for our transport network, including just over the weekend, as people might have seen, some more money to help reopen our airport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there's no doubt that buses are a huge lifeline for people. And I I didn't know that we were held up as an exemplar, but I do remember the 2P buses. Um you talked a little bit about some of the challenges that we're facing in South Yorkshire with our buses. How do you think that franchising, if it happens in South Yorkshire, is going to help address some of those challenges? Sure. So I should probably say, I mean, I think probably most people on this call will understand franchising pretty well. But we are um, in the process of going through the franchising assessment 
um, process. And we are, I think it's fair to say, doing that as quickly as is legally possible. We're doing it in all the right ways. We put more resource into that process because for me, that's an incredibly important signal of intent. And uh, so I think we're getting close to a point where we will be able to go out to uh, external audit which is the point at which we then ask an external auditor to look at our numbers and tell us whether or not we've done that in the right way. And I'm confident we have. And if that comes back and gives us a clean bill of health and tells us that actually the franchise model is the one that is best for South Yorkshire going forward, then we go to public consultation and hopefully then move to a place where we can agree the decision as a, as a region. And I want to get to that point of decision as quickly as we possibly can. I was very clear in my election campaign to be the mayor that I thought we should be taking the buses back under public control. Clearly, we have to go through a very rigorous process, and that is absolutely right, and we will take it on its merits. But um, I've been very clear personally about my views on that. And I think, you know, moving forward, franchising is the way in which we get to take back control of how public transport works in South Yorkshire. Now, look, it's not a silver bullet, and people will know looking at other places that have done similar things already kind of have that model. There are challenges that remain within a franchised system. Of, of course there are. It's not as simple as saying then it's all kind of um, a land of milk and honey, but it does give you that control. It does allow you then to take the money that might come in from more profitable routes and to use that money distributed across the network into those less profitable routes. And at the moment, um, what happens is essentially we then uh, let operators run those uh, profitable services for profit as it suggests and then we are then left picking up the tab mm. for those less profitable routes and that for South Yorkshire has been pretty disastrous over the last number of years in particular and I say that because we've gone from a place three or four years ago where we were paying about seven million pounds a year for our tendered services budget the, the buses that we had to um, operate um, for non-commercial reasons so that serving communities that are more isolated um, evening and weekend services in particular um, and actually uh, moving forward the idea would be absolutely under a franchise model if that's where we go and um, to be able to subsidize um, that what was seven million pounds and now becomes 21 million pounds um, over the course um, of this year it will become 21 million pounds that we're spending on our um, on our tendered budgets, services budget. So that's where we are essentially um, uh, at the moment. And the franchise system gives us a whole new realm of possibilities if that's where we end up. Thank you. Well, I think that helps. I've got a question in the chat, actually, which I think while we're on buses, let's let's take this question. It kind of links, I think, to your last point. But it's a question from Graham Davison. who says, why are the two main bus providers allowed to dictate timetables rather than public need? Well, look, le legally, in, under the system that was created through privatisation, um, we are in a place where essentially the private sector bus operators are able to decide most of how the network operates. And you know, there'll be private sector operators on here, I'm sure, uh, kind of uh, challenging some of my language. But I think that's the basic thrust. And um, essentially what that means is private sector bus operators can uh, decide where buses run, what the timetables look like, and essentially decide what fares look like. Although at the moment, clearly, we're in a in a world in which subsidised fares are um, in play uh, nationally. Um, we then have to come in and where we want services to run differently to what private sector operators want to see, we then have to pay for those changes. So if we want a bus to go a slightly different route or run on a slightly different timetable, we will need to do that in order to, uh, through um, supporting that bus company, uh, attended service, you know, putting it out and bringing it back in under contract. So kind of it works slightly kind of in a way that doesn't allow us to um, have the control 
and that, for instance, you see in, in London or, you know, in, increasingly Andy Burnham is able to have over in Manchester. That's the way the system is set up and it's set up to drive through um, better services through competition. Um, I think the experiences of places like South Yorkshire is that that hasn't been the case. Thank you. And final question on buses before we move on. So, uh, you know, Peter Kennan, who's the chair of our South Yorkshire Transport Forum. So um, he wasn't able to attend today. So he just asked me to ask a question around. He's very passionate about the benefits of using buses. And we all know the benefits for, for the region. Just what initiatives are underway to drive up the bus use in South Yorkshire so that basically it can help generate more fare income? Um, well, look, we, we want better bus services in South Yorkshire. The, 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 there are things that we can do now, albeit we are restricted in what we are able to practically do because of mm. the amount of money that we have as a region. And I can talk about that at more length if people would like me to. South Yorkshire is in a particularly difficult position when it comes to um, public transport funding. We um, lost out through BSIP, so the, the bus service improvement plan money that the government um, gave out a couple of years ago now, South Yorkshire bid for, we asked for about £434 million of that money. I think initially it was supposed to be a £3 billion fund turned into around £1.2 billion. And South Yorkshire asked for about 15% uh, of the total money available in the event South Yorkshire received no money at all. And therefore that restricts us and what we're able to do in order to get people back on buses and do some of those things that we know could be effective at driving up patronage on South Yorkshire's bus network in particular and that is the root cause of a number of the problems that we yeah. face but look I think we're in a spiral of decline essentially where buses get worse therefore fewer people use the bus therefore buses get worse therefore fewer people mm. use the bus and we've got to find a way to kick ourselves out of that spiral and get into a positive spiral yeah. um, where we're able to actually say the buses are getting better uh, and that the rhetoric matches the reality and then yeah. show people actually the bus is an effective means of moving around South Yorkshire. South Yorkshire has unique challenges when it comes to buses. And I don't just mean in terms of the funding, I mean in terms of the geography, the, geography, the top of the land, of, yeah. of South Yorkshire. We are basically four urban centres, Barnsley, Rotherham, Doncaster and Sheffield, surrounded by um, a huge amount of green space. And what that means is those sort of densely populated areas that you see in other parts of the country where you can pick up passengers all along a route don't exist in the same quantity um, in South Yorkshire, which means that those are the routes we have to subsidise much more regularly. And it, and it means it's a much more difficult picture in places like South Yorkshire. But we're doing everything we can to get people back onto buses. We went out early with the £2 fare cap, so before we were funded to do that by government, alongside the other Labour mayors in the north, we put in place that £2 fare cap. Um, we are trying to work with the operators to deliver improvements to the buses themselves through Zebra funding. And we've just kind of seen some movement there and improvements to the buses themselves through that um, Zebra funding. And that's been a real positive for South Yorkshire. We are introducing things like the last bus promise. So if the last bus doesn't turn up, for whatever reason, you, you are guaranteed to be able to get a taxi and have that paid for by a bus company. So there's all sorts of sort of day-to-day -day experience things that we want to improve, but the systemic, the more strategic mm. sense of how bus and public transport work in South Yorkshire obviously takes a fair bit more time. Mm, no, I appreciate that. And I, I, I really I really uh, buy into the, the thing about the rhetoric of the more positively we talk about it, then the more positive people can use it. But it's, it's very tricky, isn't it? And it's very chicken and egg. So moving on to the super tram, so it's from March 24, isn't it? Supertram is going to become yes. public owned and operated. What that, what's that going to mean for the network and the people that use it and the region more widely? Well, hopefully it's a it's a, a hugely positive step in my yeah. view. Um, it, it wasn't a step we took lightly. 
you know, this is the first time in nearly 30 years that the super tram will have been publicly controlled. We've never lost ownership of the super tram. Some people have asked me, why can we do this on the tram, but not on the buses? It works very differently in terms of the legal requirements. We've always owned the tram. We put that on a contract to um, Stagecoach, who ran it for the best part of that 30-year history. Um, and then the contract was coming up in March um, for renewal. And what we decided was, rather than hand that over to a, another private sector operator, we wanted to run that ourselves. Now, that was for, for a few reasons. Some of that was because I simply think that's the right thing for us to do to give us greater control over the transport network in South Yorkshire. Some of that was because, um, on balance, what was, un what was unlikely to happen was we weren't likely to be able to get a similar sort of deal from a private sector operator. So the deal that we had with Stagecoach was one where they took on all of the risks. So the kind of the fare box risk lied with Stagecoach, lay with Stagecoach. That wasn't probably the deal we were going to be able to get from a pri private sector operator going forward. So what we did was took the decision to take that on ourselves so that, yes, we are absolutely, of course, um, responsible for any any downturn, any risk to the tram, but also what we can do then is take on the the opportunity of driving stagecoach, uh, sorry, super tram back into profit and making sure that more people mm -hmm. are getting on the tram and using the tram as their first choice of public transport. And interestingly, just before I came into this meeting, uh, I was on a meeting actually about the sort of the sorts of things we want to be able to do on day one on the tram and then in the first hundred days, first six months, first year. And some of those improvements feel quite small, I think, to some people, but they, I think, will help people to see that it's under new management and that we're doing things differently in South Yorkshire. Absolutely. And I suppose the tram feeds nicely into the net zero targets for the region, because in terms of sort of mass transit, um, you know, it's, it's a great way of moving lots of people around with uh, less impact to the environment. So climate change is a really big challenge for everyone. Um, and South Yorkshire's we've achieved, uh, we've committed to achieving our net zero target. I think it's 2040. Uh, what are the transport measures are necessary, you think, to get to that goal? Do you think it's achievable in that time frame? How far away is that? 16 years? Look, I, I think it's a huge challenge and we're all under immense pressure um, in order to achieve that goal. I'm not going to sit here and say that I think we are on track right now because I think there are any number of things that we need to do in South Yorkshire, absolutely, but as a country and globally, frankly, um, in order to hit our targets around net zero and live within the carbon budgets that we, um, that we have, the very real carbon budgets that exist. Um, and there is always going to be a challenge for places like South Yorkshire in terms of how do we grow our economy? How do we do some of the things that we want to do whilst maintaining that focus on those net zero targets? It's why, actually, what I decided to do when I first came in was set up a citizens assembly on the climate, the biggest regional assembly of its kind in the country. Because what I wanted to do was not just do this myself and sit here saying, right, don't worry, I've got the answer but I wanted to work right across our communities and bring the diversity of opinion together across our communities to decide how do we get to net zero and how do we address some of those very difficult challenges. People will know, I've mentioned it already, that we're in the process of trying to reopen our airport. And some people will say, and there is, I think, a validity to their argument that actually airports are difficult for um, climate goals. And of course, that is true but my view has always been that places like south yorkshire shouldn't have to give up our airport so that we can have an oversubscribed overused um, airport in places like um west london for instance heathrow we should have a thriving set of regional airports we can overall fly less and fly better so the sustainable aviation point i think is a really important one um but also do that from a more regional base and that's what we're trying to say in south yorkshire it can be the hub for sustainable 
aviation. And so we wanted to tackle some of those problems through our citizens assembly, bringing 100 people together, all of whom have uh, got different opinions that reflect the diversity of opinion right across the region. So you've got some really climate skeptic people in that room, as well as some people who think that we couldn't go far enough or fast enough when it comes to those net zero measures. And we brought them together over the course of a number of weeks, brought in experts to talk to them. And then they came up with recommendations for how they wanted South Yorkshire to transform in order to hit that 2040 goal. And what was really interesting for me was they really engaged with the diversity and the complexity of that problem, but all said that public transport in particular was a really important part of how we want to get there. If we can offer a an integrated public transport network for people in South Yorkshire, they will use it. And they see that as an important part of getting mm -hmm. us to net zero. And people were kind of uniform in thinking that in that view. So we've got to, as part of our goal, as part of getting to net zero, make sure we're offering people that integrated transport network, that it's a network they can rely on to get to work, to see friends and family, to get to hospital or GP appointments. And they can do that as they do in places like London. I lived in London for, well, I've lived there twice and collectively for about seven years. And I never thought whilst I lived in, was living there about buying a car because there was simply no point. And whilst it won't be quick or cheap or easy, we have to try and get to a place like that um, in places like South Yorkshire and right across the whole of the country. Thank you. I'm trying to read the 10 questions that are in the Q&A and uh, listen to your answer and try and weave them in as well, just so we don't have loads left at the end. And, uh... Multitasking. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there is one just about the airport. So while we're on it, just about well, the airport and climate, really, you, you kind of answered it, but just if you want to be, be pointed, um, how does reopening an airport square with the aim to be net zero by 2040? All the science points towards the need to drastically reduce air travel across the board. Um, and that's well, very, oh, I've got a comment here that says Jill Griffiths would like to answer this question live. I don't know what that means. But... <laughs> um, look, I, um, uh, I've, had, I've had this question from Sam before, and he, look, it's an entirely valid question for people to ask because I hope people will know I am committed to our net zero goals. But my job is to try and balance everything that we're doing mm. across South Yorkshire. And I think it is right that we try uh, as hard as we can and do everything we can to reopen DSA and then make it a thriving regional airport. And that is important both for passengers and for freight and for the economy of South Yorkshire. And I've said from the beginning that I would like us to be able to fly less overall, but more from places like DSA, and I don't think that's a, um, a silly argument to make. I have family who live abroad, right? Um, in a place that I could never hope to get to on transport, that you know, trains or by um, ferry. And saying that we're never going to fly anywhere means simply that people like me would never get to see their family mm -hmm. other than on Zoom. There's all sorts of things that are going to carry on in that new net zero world that require flight. Um, but we have to fly differently, perhaps, um, and that includes, for me, a set of regional airports that provide that uh, opportunity for places like South Yorkshire. And I think that's a fair argument to make. And as part of that, making sure that we are driving forward with sustainable aviation. So you know, there are challenges there, huge challenges there. But South Yorkshire is part of the solution, not just part of the challenge. So we have Boeing in South Yorkshire. Boeing's only manufacturing facility in the whole of Europe is here in South Yorkshire because of our expertise when it comes to material science, propulsion, mm -hmm. um, just working with them on their next investment in South Yorkshire, which was announced at the same time as our UK's first investment zone here in the region. So making sure that South Yorkshire is part of that solution through things like Boeing hybrid air vehicles who create airships and um, who are basing themselves, building their future here in South Yorkshire again because of that um, expertise that we have in the region. So, yes, absolutely. Flying differently, flying better 
reducing the carbon impact of um, of of flight. But I always think there is going to be a space and a place for flight in the, this new world that we're building. And South Yorkshire has to be able to make uh, the most of that opportunity. Mm. So I, mean, I suppose linked to that, really, thinking about how we reduce our carbon footprint overall, and a big part of that is active travel. So, you know, you appointed, um, I need to get his title right, because it's OBE, isn't it? Ed Clancy OBE, as the Active Travel Commissioner. Um, so I suppose, what have, been in, what have been the challenges, do you think, in the region to increase in active travel? Do you, have you found challenges? Is it, yeah, what, what, how, how has he found it? Because presumably he's not done a role like this before either. So firstly, I should just say Ed is brilliant. He is absolutely brilliant. Um, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind you getting his title wrong or, wrong or otherwise. Like he, yeah. he, he, he's really happy. You, when I saw him do the um, Park Hill Urban Climb, you remember when he did the bike race? And I thought, yeah. I have so much respect for him because he just turned up as, what is he, triple gold medal Olympic, yeah. you know, and did that did that bike race up uh, really steep hills and found it really yeah. difficult, didn't he? But, he did. you know, I thought that but, was really good sport. I do have a bone to pick with him because we did park run a few uh, weeks ago and um, he jogged alongside me happily and said that, you know, he's finding it very difficult. And then um, at the most recent park run we did together, we're doing a year of active travel where we're doing all the park runs in uh, in South Yorkshire. We did the one in Barnsley and he um, decided he didn't want to run with me anymore and came, I think, 13th um, out of everybody. So it's... Um, he left you behind. He did leave me behind, yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, I think it's probably not unreasonable given he's a, a four-time gold medal uh, winning cyclist, I think. Yeah, four-time four gold medal winning uh, Olympic cyclist. I think seven either European or world golds. Um, wow. Yeah, he carries them around in socks when he goes to do visits with us. He sort of brings the gold medals in socks, which I always think is quite endearing. But um, look, he's, he is brilliant. And um, mm -hmm. I was set the challenge by Dan Jarvis of because uh, we had Sarah Story, who's, again, a, mm -hmm. a brilliant um, Paralympic athlete. Uh, and Sarah was our active uh active travel champion and um, for a number of years before I arrived and she um, took the difficult decision to go over to the rainy side of the Pennines over in Manchester uh, <laughs> and become their active travel commissioner and um, so I was set on day one this challenge of finding someone who could fill her very big shoes and I think we have done that and more in someone like Ed Clancy who you know has a I think very well-earned global reputation for for cycling and um, but it is hard active travel is is really is a really complex and difficult area for the MCA because we're not a delivery organization so we don't actually go into the communities and deliver those projects we have to work in partnership with our local authorities and there are complex challenges when it comes to putting in place cycling infrastructure I, I think of it quite often a bit like you know it's a sort of that tanker problem of like getting the momentum up is the challenge really so kind of making sure that we are building the momentum and the support for active travel is the challenge. I think once you're up and running and people see the benefits, I can, you know, see how that can then quite quickly snowball, but um, if I'm not mixing my metaphors, but I do, I do think we need to kind of get to a place where we are routinely and regularly delivering new cycling and active travel infrastructure right across South Yorkshire. We've made some progress and we are yeah. absolutely working on delivering against our very ambitious goals. And I think one of the challenges is we have been ambitious, rightly, and we are delivering against some of that in certain parts of South Yorkshire. So for instance, Doncaster is doing very well when it comes to active travel delivery, but we have to match that right across South Yorkshire, but we have to do that with the buy-in of our communities. And that's where um, I think we have to be better at actually engaging with communities on the ground and explaining the very real benefits of active travel measures and improvements when you put them in. But to a certain extent, it's the network effect that creates those benefits. And so the individual schemes are very, very important, but they've got to network across the whole of South Yorkshire in order to unlock the real and full potential. And that's where we need to need to get to. And we need to do that alongside, I think, 
um, some other important steps, which are bringing people with us in terms of the behavioral journey, helping people to understand um, what those benefits look like and helping them with things like bike hire schemes um, uh, so that people can kind of not just kind of be um, essentially preached at by people that they should be getting on their bike, but giving very real practical help to people, get people um, to walk, to uh, cycle, to scoop, however they might want to actively travel, but offering that help um, to people, not just saying you should do X and Y and we'll put in place a, um, a cycle path in order for you to do that. We've got to give very real help as well as doing some of the softer stuff. We've got um, the, uh, the walking summit coming to uh, South Yorkshire in a couple of months time, which is a real coup for us. You know, we're very, uh, very pleased to, um, to have colleagues coming to see what we're doing here and then help uh, they can show us what they're doing too. But this is, this is a journey and I would absolutely uh, concur with those people who say that we're not um, going as fast as I would like, as they would like. Um, and so this is one of those areas where I'm really keen to see some quick progress wherever we go. Yeah. But it's behavioural change, isn't it? It takes time, doesn't it? But, but you know, you can certainly see it. I, I'm certain, I've seen a big step change in the last few years now, the number of times when I go to meetings and people have actively travelled there. And it's not, it might be that they've taken the tram and cycled or they've walked and the train or, you know, it's a, a mixture of all, really. Um, I, I know this... So, oh, just on that, I mean, again, one of those things that I think we can do better is, you know, and it's not it's not going to happen on day one, so I don't want to set hairs running, but things like, for instance, can you get on a bike on a tram? So making that integrated mm. transport network happen are part of that solution, in my view. And so we've got a role to play in some of the very kind of real challenges that people face getting across the region. And then there is a political challenge. Let's not um, pretend there isn't. You know, this whole kind of slightly, I think, um, misguided conversation about 15 minute cities for instance that some people on the fringes of particularly conservative party thought want to have about kind of saying that people shouldn't have the right to live within 15 minute cities I mean I can't for the life of me understand why people wouldn't want to live within 15 minutes of their local post office GP surgery pharmacy butcher or baker you name it but some people seem to think that is an affront to human liberty I, I think there is a political challenge that is caused by those sorts of debates and those sorts of debates do seem to occupy all too much of our national conversation. I think most people just want to have a range of options about how they travel somewhere that give them the opportunity to get where they want to be relatively pain-free. Yeah. Uh, and I think if we can offer that to people, then people will start to make uh, very different choices, which are better for all of us. I totally agree. I think that's it. It's having choice, isn't it? Sometimes you make the best plans and you look outside and it's raining and you make different plans. So. Um... You talked a bit about sort of um, you know the national landscape, and I know this weekend you've been with other metro mayors. Um, so you and sort of the other metro mayors have been quite outspoken about how the north has has you know been underfunded and left behind, and the need to improve sort of rail connections between northern cities. Uh, so what do you think needs to happen there to bring about some real change for the passengers in South Yorkshire? I think we have. I think I think I'm I'm sort of quite. Um... Uh, well, I'm grateful to the other mayors for working with me. Collectively, we work, I think, well together. The only mayor that doesn't really engage is, is Ben Hatchett up in Tees Valley. I'm not entirely sure why that is. But, you know, Andy Street, for instance, a very kind of supportive colleague. And we work well together. Tory mayor, but works with me, works with people like Andy Burnham, I know very well. So I don't yeah. think this is a political point. We work well collectively um, on things like, for instance, um, uh, ticket office closures on things like HS2 we were speaking with one voice and I think that did have that did have real weight going forward I think the the um the direction of travel seems really clear to me most of the mayors now are working on um the bus franchising assessment process so working towards potentially bringing buses back 
under public control. Manchester kind of led the way, is already there in some parts of Greater Manchester. We're bringing the tram back under public control from March of this year. So the direction in that sense is, is pretty clear. I think then when you extend that out to things like the rail network and how that might be operated differently, you've got this sort of separation between train and track, for instance, yeah, uh, which I think confuses people. So making that system to a certain extent simpler, giving mayors more power and more control uh, locally and regionally so that we've got more control over that integrated approach in South Yorkshire, that would mean things like um, a probably slightly different approach to the heavy rail network and the light rail network using heavy rail uh, tracks, reopening your railway schemes to a certain extent to actually extend the tram network would be one of those options on offer to a place like South Yorkshire. Now, there's no reason why collectively as mayors, we couldn't end up in a place where if we get the gauges right and all the technical questions, why that couldn't connect up to West Yorkshire's tram network. And then you end up in this really kind of beautiful system of connected, interconnected rail, light rail across uh, West and South Yorkshire at the very least. I think there are opportunities like that that are on the table. Uh, maybe not um, in the kind of next couple of years, but certainly further um, down the track, forgive the pun. But, um, you know, I think we're, uh, we, are, we are keen to see that greater control for mayors uh, because I think we understand our regions well. I think we yeah. understand where pinch points lie, how the integration could benefit the whole of our communities. And if we get that power, the money to support not just the not just the devolution of the um, of the levers, but the money to allow us to access and use those levers properly, then I think we get into quite an exciting um, future. We then have to kind of work out what are the systems to allow us to kind of coordinate right across yeah. the north or broadly across the country. But I think that is a solvable problem. But yeah. you know, it's an interesting and I think quite exciting future that we're looking at if we do get all of that right. Mm. Well, let's talk a bit about devolution. You know, as we as we we start to think about. Um, you know, areas that know their own area best and the decision makers, you know, the purse strings and the decisions being sort of devolved to the to the regional areas and the people that actually sort of know and love their places. Um, obviously, South Yorkshire was announced as the UK's first um, investment zone. Um, yeah. And I'm sure most people are probably aware, but what kind of implications do you think that that's going to have for transport? Um, well, look, I, I think devolution is on a journey, of course it is. And I would... I would say, and I think most of the mayors would say Michael Gove, for instance, has been an ally in, in that. I think he is genuine in his desire to see uh, more power, more control, more money even kind of be devolved to uh, regional mayors, to um, to the north um, to a certain extent. And, I, you know, I'm grateful for that. I think this is about place over politics. You know, wherever possible, we will work with this government to deliver benefits to our communities. And, you know, at the same time, clearly... As a Labour mayor, kind of, I have high hopes for what could be, I hope, an incoming Labour government. And so, kind of, in terms of transport, all those things I've just talked about, I would argue, and people are free to disagree with me, but I would argue are more likely to happen um, uh, more quickly with um, proper support under a Labour government. And I've had this conversation with Louise Hager, um, our, uh, Shadow Secretary of State for Transport, and helpfully, a local Sheffield MP and a friend of mine. So, you know, we're well placed to, I think, have those conversations and explain the benefits that come from a devolved mayor having the levers over power um, on the transport network to be able to do some of those big things that we want to do. If we can be supported in that through government, national government, particularly through the Treasury, um, then we can unlock some of that potential relatively swiftly. And I think that's certainly where Louise wants to go. She's already been very clear about her plans for buses and giving... 
um, places much um, quicker access to the franchising process as part of Louise's plan. She'd be very clear about train as well. And so I think it's clear to see what the Labour government would do um, were we to come into power later this year or at the outside January of next year. But um, but we are absolutely kind of, I think, all speaking with one voice as Labour mayors about where we want to go. And look, for the time being, we will absolutely work with people like Michael Gove. I'm currently, as I said at the beginning of the conversation, going through a um, a disagreement with uh, Mark Carper, who um, we want to use some of our CRSTS money from round one on um, the airport in in, uh, in South Yorkshire to pay for some of the reinstatement costs. And the government currently aren't letting us move essentially yeah. the line on the spreadsheet to allow us to access that fund. So there are some frustrations I have right now. I've talked already about buses and how we don't get um, a fair playing field when it comes to buses. I think the competition between mayors that was put in place, and I think we're getting away from that, to be fair. But, it, you know, at one point, that sort of was the way in which people like me access funding for anything from CRSDS to BSIP. And that was all done through essentially a competitive process. I don't think that's helpful. I don't think you can level up the country through competition. I think those things are anathema. Uh, to each other. But I think we're getting to a better place now with this government, albeit there are some frustrations. I think with an incoming government that can go further and can go faster. Mm, thank you. Um, I'm scanning the chat and I think what I might ask, ask people to do, because I'm conscious there's 16 questions in there and we've got about sort of five, ten more minutes before we come to those questions, is whether people could just vote on the top questions because we're not going to be able to do all of them. Um, so if, if you could, then I can start kind of gathering those into buckets because there was one there from Dom Lowe actually about what additional powers do you think you need to make transport work in the region? But I think you kind of answered that bit really, talking about sort of devolution um, and, and what South Yorkshire would want to see in terms of devolution. But I think you probably covered that off. So um, yeah, if I can just encourage people to just vote on what are the key questions they want me to ask, then we can make sure we, we cover as many as we can. So let's turn now to the future. So next year is going to be a big year with mayoral elections and most likely a general election. So what's going to be your priority and what do you want to see from a future government, whatever colour it is? <laughs> well, my priority, as you might imagine, is first of all, hopefully getting re-elected. Um, so, and, then, um, and then hopefully seeing a, a Labour government, that would be my absolute um, priority. I'm in the process of potentially taking on the powers of the police and crime commissioner now that is currently going through a public consultation anybody on the call that's living um, or working in south yorkshire is able to um to uh, put a submission into that public consultation i would recommend that anybody that hasn't done all that that, that um, up to now does that please um, you'll find the links on my social media we do want everybody to have their say and i think that is the right step for south yorkshire it puts us in line with uh, places like Greater Manchester with um, West Yorkshire, where you better align those two jobs of mayor and police and crime commission. You save a load of money on things like elections, but it also gives the region a bigger voice when it comes to um, protecting the uh, police budgets and doing things like bringing police um, operations back to Doncaster Sheffield Airport. So there's all sorts of reasons why we would want to do that, but I would encourage people to have their say. In terms of what those priorities look like then after that, um, election, both myself and then hopefully working in partnership with a Labour government. I, I'm just hugely excited about that potential. I, I think, you know, we already, I was with, like you say, the Labour mayors and Keir, um, uh, Jim McMahon from the um, local government team, um, Pat McFadden, our campaign chief. We had um, David Evans, the General Secretary of the Labour Party, Sue Gray, all there around a the table 
talking about what we want to do collectively together. And it's a brilliant dynamic. And I think it shows that sort of partnership working that is possible when actually what you do is you, you put yourself in that space. And, you know, Keir has been very clear, I think, about his ambition for mayors, about devolution, um, about wanting to see uh, mayors build on the successes that we have already had. And that's in everything from public transport right across to things like health. Um, I am, as well as kind of mayor, I'm chair of the Integrated Care Partnership in South Yorkshire. And I think increasingly what we're seeing is that integration of um, those services helping us to make better decisions across the piece. So as an example, when it comes to transport, there are significant and very real challenges around public health um, because of transport. So one in five mm -hmm. journeys the public transport network in South Yorkshire, I think I'm right in saying, are related to health. So be it, you know, care workers getting around uh, appointments, people going to the hospital or to see their GP um, to pick up a prescription maybe. If you don't have an effective public transport network, it genuinely creates real problems in terms of public health. I was at a public meeting last week in Barnsley, a place called Kingston. Uh, there's been a relatively small change to made to one of the bus routes um, in Barnsley. And as a result, we had 80 people, largely over 60 years old, at a public meeting last Wednesday afternoon, who were saying to me that they were then locked in their homes, not able to get to what is a relatively close by medical centre. Some of them were then having some very real health challenges. Um, and that, for me, is the whole point of the things mm. that we're trying to do. It's better taking a kind of whole system view in South Yorkshire and then making decisions that integrate some of those challenges and hopefully respond to that, some of those challenges more effectively. And that's what mayors can do, I think, and, you know, operating over what is a kind of, in my case, four districts, 1.4 million people, feels like a relatively sensible geography to be able to make some of those decisions. And I think the Labour Party are recognising and hoping to build on that um, that vision of giving mayors the power, the ability, the control to be able to sort of work collectively with partners from across the region, of course, but to make better decisions about how we do things in a place like South Yorkshire. And nowhere is that less, and nowhere is that more important, less important uh, than <laughs> on public, on, on transport. Um, it's yeah. incredibly important on transport because we absolutely have to get the transport challenge right. If we're going to grow the economy, um, if we're going to help people access opportunity, if we're going to fix the health challenges we have in South Yorkshire, and as you said earlier, get to net zero. Absolutely. I'm always struck when, so as you know, the Chambers do a quarterly economic survey, um, which is like the biggest survey of its kind that tests business sentiment. And the last one had a transport and infrastructure focus. Um, and how concerned businesses were about people's ability to travel, yes, to travel for work, but also young people's ability to travel to get the skills, you know, to, um, and I always think about that just from a social mobility point of view as well, that, you know, wherever you live in South Yorkshire, you should have the opportunity to be upskilled and get a, a really good career and a really good job and that not be hampered by depending on where you live and what happens to be, uh, you know, the timetable or, or the route of the public transport around you, because, We've got so many incredible assets in this region in terms of skills and workforce development with, you know, the Advanced Wellbeing Research Centre, the Advanced Manufacturing Park, um, you know, the, the new National Centre of Excellence for Food Engineering, Children's Health, you know, green tech. There's, there's just, just proper jobs of the future there and you want them to be accessible for everyone. And, you know, you think the predetermines of how people are going to their health and well-being employment is actually a really important part of that and in order to get good employment you need access to good training and, and good skills so it's really absolutely. important to the business community that we represent absolutely so you know again the airport 
you know, actually, if we want people to use the airport, better connectivity to the airport is part of that challenge. Um, we've got the advanced manufacturing uh, part, the world's first um, advanced manufacturing innovation district here in South Yorkshire, the UK's first investment zone, world leading um, manufacturing facilities here in South Yorkshire, Boeing, McLaren, Rolls-Royce, the only place in the world where those three companies sit side by side. We've got a training centre on there, the AMRC training centre, which um, supports 600 um, people getting uh, apprenticeships right through to PhD level. Um, but if you can't access that opportunity, if you live in places like uh, Cawthorn or Ascot in, in South Yorkshire, for those that know it, kind of the outer reaches and um, further away from um, from the AMRC training centre, you can't access that opportunity. It might as well be in Finland, frankly, because if you can't get there in the morning um, to be on time for your course, you yeah. won't last long um, going through that process. So we've got to make sure that, yes, we have opportunity for everybody. And yes, of course, we're growing the economy of South Yorkshire, but we simply cannot do that in a fair and equitable way or even, frankly, at all without a public transport system that unlocks that potential from right across our region. I was with, and I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying this, I was with um, one of our big logistics firms um, the other day. They've got a shift um, that starts at midnight. Um, so a thousand people reliably uh, turning up at midnight to start their shift. And the logistics company know absolutely, of course, where all of those workers are, where they live. Mm. Um, they all live within about seven miles of the um, of the logistics hub, and, and yet they haven't been able to work out a way to get those people there on time with a bus. You know, working with the bus company hasn't unlocked that um, that route. Now, I can't for the life of me work out why that's not possible. You've got a logistics company whose job is kind of working out the most effective route between A to B, you know, taking in C and D and E and F as well. Um, and yet we haven't been able to find a way to make the public transport the first option for those people wanting to get to um, work at midnight for a shift. And, and as we were told by the uh, logistics firm, you know, they're getting dropped off by friends and family. They are um, getting kind of less optimal bus routes. I think at one point they've been subsidizing a bus as well. But actually, we should be able to solve those sorts of problems mm -hmm. relatively easily through public transport, through a better, more integrated system, but also with just more insight into things like data. I was just um, going to say, insight and data has got to be part of that, hasn't it? You know, technology. Yeah. Um, right, I'm conscious of time, so we're just coming up to the last sort of last sort of 10, 10 13 minutes. Um, and we've got, there's 21 questions, which obviously, 22, um, which we're not going to be able to cover. Right. See. <laughs> so I'm just going to pick out the top voted. So there was one there, it was about the tram that had 13 votes. So let me just find it. Um, there was, just excuse me. Um, it's great that there's so many questions and people want to ask so many questions. Um, sorry, I've lost it again. There's too many. I could do have been able to... Here we go. Okay. Um, oh, a really quick, easy one for you, actually. Just um, um, while I quit down is all the, are all, I think I know the answer to this, but are all the leaders of the local authorities in South Yorkshire in agreement that bus franchising is the way forward? Look, I don't want to speak on behalf of all the other leaders, but but I, I think there are some very real challenges in terms of funding when it comes to uh, bus franchising. You know, it is absolutely a difficult thing to get to. And that's because of the hurdle that is created by things like we obviously we need to sort of take on the responsibility for the buses themselves. We want to take on responsibility for the depots. If we're going to do this properly, that's how this sort of stuff is done. And that comes with a significant capital cost. And so... 
Um, and then you are taking on the, the revenue risk as well if you are in that franchised environment. Uh, every conversation I've had with, with leaders in South Yorkshire indicates to me that they absolutely want to overcome those hurdles at the same time as asking very sensible and practical and uh, fair questions about the funding and how we're going to overcome those challenges. And if we can get there, I've got no doubt that we're all going to speak with one voice about wanting to achieve that goal. But I don't want to kind of overstep and speak on behalf of local leaders. They'll be able to answer that question themselves. But I know that they are keen to solve the problem of public transport in South Yorkshire and do that in the most um, most effective way that we can together. Okay. Right, you ready for this one? It's a long one. Um, okay. So um, this has got the most folks. So the tram is now obsolete and worn out. We are asking government to fund its complete renewal. All your plans for operating it, hopefully profitably, are dependent on government providing over one billion for this, including immediate and long-term renewal. This has been really challenging to justify because it's very expensive and patronage has declined since 2016. And part of this is due to competition with the buses. So assuming we get the capital funding, is it your plan to integrate buses with the tram to avoid the latter issue going forward? So look, successful regions have mass transit networks. So mass transit is an important part of our future if we want to unlock the potential of South Yorkshire. And I think over the last 30 years, we have underinvested in South Yorkshire's mass transit network, the tram, right? We are in a place that, um, despite the challenges, places like West Yorkshire would kill for the opportunity to have what we already have. Now, it's too small, the network, in my view. It doesn't go to enough places mm -hmm. and it hasn't been invested in, as the question points to in terms of renewal, in terms of upkeep, in terms of making sure that we are doing the things around trams, uh, uh, tram tracks, stops and all the rest of it that you have to do in order to run a reliable network. So now we're taking that back under public control. We have to absolutely um, be able to, um, we have to be able to make sure that we are investing going forward and we can only do that in partnership with government. Now, I don't know where the person who's put that question in has got the number from there's a number of numbers that i know are flying around uh, online um, we've got a very vocal tory mp in south yorkshire who seems to kind of have a load of different numbers um, that he wants to kind of put into the public domain but we haven't kind of made those concrete decisions and we don't actually know what some of those numbers look like because this is a process that we will take on going forward and that's going to require constant constant updating and, and looking forward. Um, but I am committed to making sure that we have an effective mass transit network in South Yorkshire that supports jobs and growth. And that integrates with the rest of the transport network across South Yorkshire, be it buses, active travel, be it light rail um, going onto tram tra onto the train lines, heavy rail, etc. Like actually creating that integrated transport network is what does most in terms of unlocking that potential, the growth of South Yorkshire, creating jobs and opportunity for everyone across our region. And so, you know, I am absolutely determined to make sure that we are extending the tram network. That's got to be a part of our future, as well as making sure that it works effectively. And that does come with a cost because renewal and updating is not cheap. Now, if you compare and contrast, for instance, the way in which trains are invested in by this government and the way in which light rail is invested in it's chalk and cheese and what we don't have for tram and what i would argue we need for tram networks is a dedicated tram funding stream from government so we are aren't taking money out of other transport priorities in order just to put them into tram because tram is expensive and that is right and um, what we need is a dedicated perhaps a large majors fund perhaps a dedicated tram fund which allows us to put money into those mass transit networks directly and distinctly from that fund rather than having to make those quite difficult decisions sometimes about what we use the money for. Now, ultimately, the government will always hold 
um, the final say over what it is that we're doing with any of that money that they give to us. So this always has to be a partnership and a conversation with government. And ultimately, they have to sign off any any money that we want to spend on any of those things. This would all be made easier if there was a dedicated fund for light rail and um, that we were able to access for some of these projects, renewal extension, and actually even things, a revenue fund potentially for things like um, subsidy of fares, because one of the challenges we faced in South Yorkshire alongside and people in the other eight places that have mass transit networks is um, the bus and the tram do compete with each other. And yet on the bus, we've got a two pound fare cap um, that we're not funded to deliver on the tram network. And that does create a problem across the two networks. Mm. I had to just mute there because the bin lorry was coming down the road. So if you can still hear it, it's not totally gone. But no, thank you for that, because that was one of the questions that Peter Kennedy, who's the chair of our South Yorkshire Transport um, Board, I'm sorry, co-chair with um, Sam Chapman, Dr. Sam Chapman, was about the cost of the tram and it being borne by the South Yorkshire taxpayer. And yeah. um, what steps can we have you know, to cut costs? And um, he, he referred to the smart ticketing to, and I know we have like Travel Master in the region where you can use across all the platforms, but how we get to a point where it's just really easy and cost effective for people to yeah. be able to use everything. Just, just on that loss point, so yes, the tram does lose some money at this moment in time, but I'm quite keen really. We, we don't talk about the health service losing money in that sense. We talk about an investment in people's health and the cost of running a health service. I think we should be talking about the, the the very reasonable cost of running a public transport network because it supports all the other ambitions that we have, as I've already described. That's not a loss in the same way as any other business might experience. This is about the cost of running a network that supports all our other ambitions, and we should invest in our future in order to unlock the bigger and better potential of South Yorkshire. So, yes, there is a challenge there that we want to get it to profitability. And if and when it does come to profitability, to plough those money, that money back into better services, cheaper ticketing and all the rest of it. But actually, we've got to think about that slightly differently because this is about unlocking potential. One of the things that is causing the biggest kind of uh, challenge at the moment is the cost of energy, which is completely outside of our control, as you know. And actually, over time, hopefully that will become less of a problem. We've got to then get on top of fare evasion. We've got to then get more people using the tram network. And all of these things come under our gift once we run the public transport network. That is the tram. And that's one of the reasons why we took that decision. Thank you. Second most popular question. This is a good one, actually. How, how do we improve our region's track record with winning transport bids and delivering them in the region? What needs to change to grow this capability? I think we need to think big. I think we absolutely need to have ambition and we need to take difficult decisions. Look, I've had criticism from certain people about the um, about the decision we're making on the tram network. And some people will say you shouldn't invest in the tram network. You should invest in something else. Um, now, quite honestly, like the fact that we have to make the choices we do in South Yorkshire is down to decisions that are made 200 miles down the road in in London. And when you look at what other parts of our country are getting in terms of public support for their major projects versus what South Yorkshire is getting for our major project is a, a very significant disparity. So, you know, that that Leeds Manchester corridor um, uh, is getting, you know, billions of pounds potentially spent on connecting those two cities. Actually, what we would like is a more effective train uh, service over to uh, Manchester Airport, for instance. And yet yeah. we don't get the support to do things like that. Absolutely. We shouldn't have to make that choice, I think, between are we going to fix our buses? Are we going to invest yeah. in our tram? Network? Are we going to reopen our airport? Are we going to fix the potholes on our roads? We shouldn't have to make 
those choices in the way that other parts of our country are not being asked to make mm-hmm. those choices. You know, is there is a, a clear imbalance in terms of funding when it comes to South Yorkshire and other parts of this country. And we all know about the difference between funding for places like the North, uh, South Yorkshire in the North and places like London. And I understand that. I don't, you know, I'm not saying we should get the same level of funding as London. Of course not. But I do think we should be in a place where we are better able to invest in all the different parts of our transport network and do that with a sense in a sensible way in a conversation in partnership with a government who want the same as what we want mm-hmm. which is to grow the economy and give opportunity to people right across the region the government themselves said in their 29 man- manifesto we want a london style transport system everywhere outside the north that's what leveling up will mean and we will put that in place by 2030 i wrote to the then prime minister boris johnson on day one of becoming mayor um, nearly two years ago now and said, look, you want that, I want that. Yeah. Uh, let's work together on delivering that ambition. And he didn't reply. So, look, we, we, you know, if we have to do this ourselves, we will. It means we increasingly have to make difficult choices. Um, but I don't think we should have to make those choices in the way that we do. And I would like a partner in government who works with me much more proactively to unlock the potential of South Yorkshire. I think that's quite a fair and reasonable request, really, isn't it? Um, so this question is shot to the top, and let's just try and slip it in before we finish. Um, trains between Shefford and Leeds are often overcrowded, yet all the northern services via Barnsley are formed of only two carriages. Can Mayor Coppard bring pressure on northern rail and network rail to increase the length of these trains? Yes, absolutely. So um, so there is a real um, uh, real challenge right across our network, actually, of, of short-forming of, of services. I've certainly been on um, services from London recently, and... I think some of those services are getting worse between uh, mm-hmm. Sheffield in particular. The, the Doncaster to um, to London service is still reliably good. LNER do a, a good job, in my view. Um, but we've got to kind of make sure that not just we've got the right number of trains going from A to B, be at least to Sheffield or Sheffield to Manchester or whatever else it might be, but we've got the right number of carriages to serve that um, that route and that service. And at the moment, that isn't always the case. We've had some success, it has to be said, to be fair to them, with um uh, with northern um you know i think when they've been when we've seen kind of the operators take a proactive approach we have been able to have those conversations and and work with them effectively and um, but um i would say we still have some way to go and i through transport for the north board through the un- the bilateral meetings that we have with the operators i constantly remind them of the need not just to kind of put on services and for them to kind of run to timetables but actually to be ambitious about their plans for connectivity between sheffield and leeds sheffield and manchester sheffield and liverpool sheffield and newcastle actually all of those major cities of the north have the opportunity um to create um to coin a phrase a northern powerhouse and if we can mm-hmm. unlock that potential then uh, you know i think we would all be better off for it absolutely right well that takes us to bang on time so that uh, just leaves me to say yeah thank you ever so much for for taking the time today that's been a really really interesting really broad conversation and i really appreciate you answering those direct questions as they came in and just on the spot as well so um, a big thank you to you a big thank you to the urban transport group who will be hosting more online conversations soon so keep an eye out for those but until then thank you to everyone who has joined the conversation and goodbye thanks everyone cheers bye